It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Renault Runway event is now on at Blackstone Motors, Drada, Dundalk and Cavan. Save thousands across the range for the new year. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Lots of chat to come over the next couple of hours. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, 1850-715-958 is the telephone number. Or you can text or WhatsApp us on 086-1800-658 or contact us across social media. I have a heartbreaking story for you to begin the show today. We've met them before on Late Lunch, the O'Connor family from County Mead. Well, they've endured more than their fair share of heartbreak in this life. In 2011, their 22-year-old son, Gavin, was murdered. And two years later, in 2013, their other son, Patrick, who was 33, was killed in a road traffic accident near Kilberry Cross. Gavin and Patrick are interred side by side in King's Court Cemetery, where their parents, Helena and Jerry, visit, pray, pay their respects and remember their sons. They live with horrendous pain and loss every day. Yet, unbelievably, that heartache was magnified recently. Earlier today, I spoke with the O'Connors. First, Helena, who takes up the story. Last weekend, Jerry was Patrick's sixth anniversary. We were at the grave on the Sunday, and everything was fine. And we only go to the grave once a week. And it's more to check that the grave is okay because I hate going to the grave. I don't like it. I hate the place. And I go up and I stand at the bottom of the grave and I always say, well, boys, there's nothing I can say. And we were here on Saturday. We had a hairdressing appointment at three o'clock. We normally go to the grave before or after the hairdressers. And at 10 to 2, my phone rang and it was Patrick's girlfriend, Lizzie. And she said to me, I don't know how to tell you this. She said, I've been plucking up the courage to ring you. She said, but there's a lot of nasty comments written on the grave. So we left here and we went in and there was a lot of nasty comments written on the grave. And I knew some of Patrick's trucks were missing. I said to Jerry, there's some of Patrick's trucks gone off the grave. We went down to the barracks, which there was nobody in it, so we rang Bail or Brigardi and they told us to stay where we were, they would be straight over. So they came straight over and I went and I got Father Jerry to tell him and the Gardaí took photographs of the grave and they said to us, that's okay now, you can clean it if you want. We had bleach and flash and that with us. So we cleaned the grave as we thought 
and they had mentioned to put it up on social media to see would it jog somebody's memory or would somebody remember something. So on Saturday evening, I put it up on social media about the grave being vandalised. And straight away, I got a friend request on Facebook and I got a message from a lady who said when she was dropping her child at crash on Wednesday morning, there was a load of stuff of a grave lying broken outside the gates of the crash, the second entrance. So then Kira McKeown put up on Facebook that as a show of support, she would be at the grave at half ten on Sunday morning with tea lights to, as a show of support. Everybody lighted tea lights and put it on the grave, which was a beautiful thing to do. So on Sunday morning, we went to half ten mass. We don't normally, but we decided, well, we can't just go to the graveyard. We'll go to mass and... The support was unbelievable. We really appreciate the support and the amount of people that was there to light the tea lights. But we have no idea why the grave would be targeted. Like the grave is there eight and a half years. And we keep ourselves to ourselves. We don't do any harm to anybody or that's it. We don't know, Jerry, why it was done. It's just unbelievable, Helena, may I say, that anybody would touch the grave of a deceased person and of your son Patrick and Gavin rest there as well your two boys nothing like this ever has happened since the day they were laid to rest there either never. of them the grave has never ever been interfered with before never has it been and it, I have to say the attack seemed to be aimed more at Gavin than at Patrick and Gavin was your son who was murdered yes at the music festival back in 2011 and yeah. you, you feel it aimed at him more than, than Patrick yes, we do, we feel it was aimed more so at Gavin than at Patrick there was an awful lot more writing on Gavin's like we have plaques on with their names and there was an awful lot more and a lot more heavier handed on Gavin's on Patrick's it was hard to make out what was written as I say, it was against the family at the bottom of the grave. It's like the guard said, it was a personal attack against Gavin and the family. Are you not going through enough yourself and Jerry every day that people would stoop to this low level to do this on you? Yeah, it was absolutely terrible, Jerry. You know, some evil bad person or people did it, but... We also realise that an awful lot of good people, like the support that we have had is unbelievable. Like, we really appreciate the community and the people of Kingsport, the way they all stand behind us in times of need. Understandable why people would stand shoulder to shoulder with yourself and Jerry. I want to say to you today, we all do. Everybody does, in complete solidarity with your family, the O'Connor family. This is just horrendous. It really is one of the worst stories I have ever come across on my time on radio. And I just say to whoever did this, shame on you. Shame, shame, shame on you, whoever you are. When we went back up on Sunday morning to the grave, that writing was plain to be seen again. So we reckoned that even though Jerry cleaned it on Saturday, when it dried out, it was back as it was done with permanent marker. We went up to the grave on Monday and we were only there, but we weren't even there five minutes when Tina Smith, who used to be a neighbour of ours, she now lives in King's Court, arrived with all the cleaning stuff and fair play to Tina, the hard work she put in cleaning the graves, because that's who cleaned it. I 
just stood there like a zombie while Tina did the cleaning. So I want to say a very big thank you to Tina. The items that you recovered, are they yeah. back on the grave? No, they're here. The guardie gave them back to us yesterday. Some of them are okay. Some of them are broken. There was a thing with a double angel saying special son and it's broken and some of them are for dumping and some of them can be put back on the grave but like quite a heavy kind of a stone thing on it that Patrick would have put on the grave for his brother it just his brother a little tribute to warm and tender just to say we will always remember as I said it was trucks of Patrick's there was angels and then there's a stone that somebody put on dearest friend Wherever I go, whatever I do, memories keep me near to you. <laughs> and then, like, there was a sign on the grave. Um, no parking at any time except for my scan. Yeah, all other vehicles will be towed away. There's two bags of stuff here that was taken off the grave. Are you going to return them to the grave? Any of them? Well, <laughs> it's like Patrick's girlfriend was here yesterday. She said to me, it's as if they're tainted. But... Some of them will have to go in the bin. Some will go back on the grave. Jerry, how are you? Nice to talk to you again. But in these circumstances, I can't believe that I'm speaking to you once more. And this is the situation. You must be once, just devastated. Once more, Jerry. There's no doubt about it. They could never see this coming. Whatever it done, they opened the wound. It wasn't even healed. It might never heal again. Be constantly worried now that every time we go up to the grave, it could be vandalized again. And why, we don't know. I don't know, Jerry. I have no words to describe it. Desperate. Just desperate. So that fear is in your mind and in your hearts now every day. Every day, you think, when we go up there. It it, it will be, yes. It will be. It will be. There's no doubt it will be. Yeah. We'd be walking over to the grave, nervous. We'd always been over sad anyway. But now we'd be wondering, was anybody back at it, you know? Just, just shot at us. This is a criminal inquiry now. The Guardi are investigating this. Yes, it is. Spandalism. Yeah. I hope to get whoever done it. It's the lowest of the lowest. I, I know everybody listening to us today feels the very same, that these people are tracked down apprehended and the full force of the law come upon them. Look, I know I have met you on a number of occasions. I met you last year again and I know the pain that you're both going through. But to do this, as you say... Reopen the wound that wasn't even healed. Yeah. Yeah, just desperate. Just desperate. As Helena said, there was a vigil up there on the Sunday morning. All the lovely people lighting tea candles. But with our heads not been working properly at the minute when we went up, it was like going to a funeral. It was just, a line of people, it was just unreal. I said to the people, I don't know what to say, but I thanked them anyway. Didn't know what to say, it was shocking. Have you any feelings towards the people that did this? Are you angry? Come, that's what they are. Come. Wherever they're hiding out laughing, they're just come, that's what they are. I don't know why. Don't know why. You do know, though, that the vast, vast majority of people, that these people who did this are just insignificant, to be honest with you, in terms of the goodness and the outpouring of support that you've had. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, everybody's so good to us. Everybody's. Yeah. 
You know, if you're walking through the town or something, and somebody just put a hand on your shoulder, and we'd look at each other and say, who was that? But they knew us. You know, that goes on quite often. Jerry, thank you. Ah, Helena, look, I, I really appreciate you joining me on late lunch today in these awful, awful circumstances. And again, my heart goes out to you, to both of you, to your family, to your daughter in Australia. It's just one of the lowest points, I have to say, in life that I've come across. And I, I wish I can't you... believe anybody would do such a thing to anybody's grave, like not just ours, anybody's grave. Like, it's the final resting place. And that's what it should be, a place of peace, a place where you both find it, I know, difficult to go, but a place that you can go whenever you want and have your thoughts to yourselves and think of the two boys, Gavin and Patrick, when you stand there. And I really sincerely hope that these people are apprehended and that this is the end of this and that you will be able to grieve for your sons in peace, Helena. Yes, thank you, Jerry. Thank you both again from my heart. Thank you very much. God Mary. bless you both. Right. I think okay. of you. Take bye. care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Helena and Jerry O'Connor speaking to me earlier today. I have to say, in all my time sitting in this seat, this is the lowest of the low, I have to say. I know those people, the O'Connors. They're simply wonderful, wonderful people. And the pain they carry with them every day. Losing both your sons at a young age and to think that somebody would go to a cemetery and desecrate a grave how low is that these people are living among us Liam O'Neill has just been on to me thank you Liam WhatsApp me a message there to say Jerry, I'm just having a bit of lunch and listening to that lady oh my god what a horrendous story to hear my god Jerry, can the dead not rest in peace and worse still what kind of people are they living amongst us absolutely shocking stuff Angela thank you Angela oh my god I'm sitting here crying at the table I feel so sorry for the parents shame on them whoever did this disgusting act God bless the O'Connor family says another listener Jerry what a dreadful thing their son's grave so sad I really do hope they're found and locked up says Marie today what scum Jerry God love those people, says Paddy. I chopped their hands off, says somebody else to us today. I'm crying profusely here, sitting listening to the radio this afternoon, Jerry. I hope those louts are apprehended and they get their punishment. Somebody else says, there's no excuse for people like this. They should be caught and publicly whipped. Have you anything to say? How do you feel today? Just imagine what Helena and Jerry are going through in their family. 086 1800 658 is the text or WhatsApp numbers. If you want to call in, it's 1850 to show your support for the O'Connors. We stand squarely with Helena and Jerry this afternoon. Thank you so much for the messages flooding into us on late lunch this afternoon following my conversation a few moments ago with Helena and Jerry O'Connor. And I can tell them, uh, I'm sure they're listening today, that the support they're getting is unbelievable and the outpouring of revulsion by people is just unbelievable. And I am not one bit surprised. 
Listen to this. A disgrace what people think they can do onto others. The respect, Jerry, in our society is totally gone. The world today is all about me. Lies and hurt is part of the new world. I'm having my lunch listening to you and I just can't eat it. The O'Connor family story is so sad. Have they not had enough sadness to deal with? No, people don't care. It's about revenge. It's about hurting. My word, that message. Just listen to those words there. I hope those people are caught and that people out there think before they hurt others. Thank you for an excellent feature on your programme today and thank you for that lovely message. I know it's more extensive but I've read the most of it there. Uh, Hi Jerry. I would be mortified to think I reared a person who would do this to someone's grave. Shame on them. My sympathies are with that poor family. Louise, the flooding in on WhatsApp to us as well. Yeah, as you said, the level of revulsion out there. Um, Scumbags, I hope they're caught and paid dearly for what they have done. Uh, Best wishes to the O'Connors and we'll keep them in our thoughts. Uh, Another says, I heard that story. It's just so, so sad. Uh, Oh my God, says another. How much more can that family bear? Someone knows who did this and they're just as bad for not telling. Somebody else said, what low life wrecks anyone's grave? And are we getting to the stage where we have to put extra security in our graveyards? Where are we headed? That's the the question. But I say again, echoing what that listener says there, if you do know anything, do please talk to the Gardaí if you do know anything. Yeah, sorry, just literally another, um, somebody else just WhatsApped in. Oh my God, I was driving home from work and listening to your show. I had to pull in. I cried so much hearing that poor family's story. Shame on whoever done that to the poor family. It's so, so sad. These messages, folks, I'm telling you, are just rolling around. Thank you so much. And and, and what we're getting is the, the, the sympathy, the feeling for the O'Connors, the revulsion at whoever did this. They are really sick perverts, Jerry, these people. The O'Connor children are at peace and they will give their parents the strength to overcome this absolutely disgusting act. Jerry, words fail me today listening to you and listening to those poor people. Karma is real. Love the O'Connors, says Marie in Navin. My heart goes out to the O'Connor family. Oh my God, like it's not bad enough, Jerry, losing your two sons. I hope the culprits are caught. And they should be outed and displayed in the media. I've had to pull over. I'm I'm driving, listening to you. I'm on the way to the hospital. And this is so, so upsetting, Jerry. It is upsetting. It's very upsetting. And that's why we bring this story to you today. We think of the O'Connors. I say it again. Jerry, Helena, your daughter in Australia. We think of you. We love you so much. There is such an outpouring of love for you. Let's hope these people are caught. I really hope they are. I want to play this one for the O'Connors and for the two boys today who are at rest and I'm sure looking down at us for Gavin and Patrick. Spend all your time waiting For that second chance For a break that would make it okay always some reason to feel not good enough and it's hard at the end of the day 
with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Renault Runway event is now on at Blackstone Motors Drada Dundalk and Cavan. Call in to see how affordable a new car is in the new year. Headlights. How are you feeling when I say that? I know how I'm feeling. I'm starting to scratch all over already. Seems to have that effect on many people and we usually hear about it when schools come back after the summer holidays early September. But here's one for you. There's a major infestation of head lice in schools at the moment. And to talk about it, I'm joined by head lice specialist Sinead O'Reilly. Good afternoon, Sinead. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking our call. My first question is this to you. 
We're obsessed in this world today with showering, cleanliness, washing ourselves and our hair every day. How come we still have the head lice problem? Okay, so head lice have no preference, firstly, Jerry. So they don't mind if your head is clean, dirty, coloured, whatever it may be. So purely down to cleanliness is not the reason why um, we have or we have a lack of head lice in general. Um, head lice are parasites, they're human parasites, so they will spread by head-to-head contact. Um, and that's effectively, you know, how we, we catch them and how our kids catch them. Now, you say there's a major infestation at the moment. I, I, I would know from my own children and now uh, grandchild that, uh, you know, when they do come back after the summer, you'll generally get the note quite quickly. Why now? Is it after the midterm break? Are there peaks like that after Christmas holidays, etc.? To be honest, at the moment, it is you, you will get certain peaks, but at, for the last few years, it has been a consistent run throughout the whole year. So there's no break. Okay. And that's mainly down to the fact that kids now are spending a lot more time together on play dates, um, head-to-head contact, hugging, selfies, electronics, all of these um, contributing factors, you know, will, will keep the headlights alive throughout the whole year, as opposed to years ago, the outbreaks would have been, you know, start of September, Christmas, midterms, when they come back into the school. Yeah. But th- th- back to this, uh, at this present point in in time, um, do you feel that there's not enough emphasis on it, education about it? Are people Have people become blasé about it? Absolutely. I mean, I get so many ridiculous comments, questions, every single day and this is not down to you know the public it's down to the lack of knowledge supplied which i feel should be supplied through our community so either through our pharmacists our pharmacies our, our schools and um, there needs to be a huge rollout of an education for parents for teachers and also then for for kids themselves so that they know and they understand going into school the consequences of you know, putting their head towards another child's head or etc. Am I right in saying that back in the 80s, there were people called knit nurses who came into the schools and, you know, it, it, there was a focus on it. That, that was the case, was it back then? And hard to believe that today in 2019, we've drifted from that. Well, we're totally backward from that. So yes, in the, in the 80s, they had the knit nurse and, you know, parents were nearly terrified they would be checking their children pedantically every week. And this is where we now have got to a stage where we need to get back to. So if we could all check our children every seven days religiously, we would 100% be able to control the infestation levels. But because everybody's so busy, parents don't have time, they may forget, it goes on and on. So if there's a headlight in the head, it can be there for months, nobody realises, not everybody scratches. So the infestation just rises and rises and passes and passes. So we're left with the infestation level of today. Because these things really do multiply and they multiply by the hundreds and thousands and as you say are passed on. That's an interesting point you make. Today with a lot of households, two people working, busy, home, late from work, homeworks to be done, children to be fed. This is probably kicked down the road, the can is, when it comes to headlights. You've been in touch. You, you, you're, you're on a mission here. You've been in touch with the minister, the department. You want focus brought on this. 
Oh, I did. I, 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 you know, I put through a proposal for the minister for an actual educator on headlights um, to roll it across our, our nation's schools. You know, where we'd go in and we'd do a workshop, we'd bring in a hairdresser's head as such so we could show parents how to section. So we're going to show them how to detect, how to treat and how to prevent. And the, the, the main key facts about headlights and the myths. And that's really everything that a parent would need to know um, and the tools that they need to know to actually get rid of them. So come back to today and all our listeners and there are people listening today waiting for the pick up at schools. There are people at home today with children. There are grandparents listening who are involved in this as well. What's the drill? Let's focus in on this. You, you, you touched on it a minute ago. Firstly, the check. How often? Once a week, you're saying? Every seven days. Try to keep it to the same day every seven days. That goes by, the reason why we say that is because the headlights actually have a life cycle. So they last, each life will last up to 32 days. What we want to do is stop the actual cycle in its tracks before it gets to the stage where they lay the eggs. And that, the laying of the eggs will happen on day, between day 10 and day 17. So what we want to do by every day, every week checking, we're going to, effectively we're going to stop the yeah. the headlights in their tracks. Yeah, you break the cycle and that's very important to say. How long does it take? I, I take it's more girls than boys or am I being sexist in that remark? Again, they don't, they're, they're not sexist uh, headlights. Okay. They, they All they need is a human head to feed off and be it a tiny piece of strand of hair. Babies now coming in crashes, they have headlights. Like we've never seen so many calls from crashes to say we don't know what to do. Um, so again, they're not they don't have any preferred okay. whether it's male or female. Male or female or age as well. You mentioned from a very young age there. It does run through, say, creches, play schools, primary schools. It's not a factor, is it, into the second level schools? Oh, it's now a major problem with secondary really? um, schools. Okay, and right. That, again, it's down to selfies, electronics, um, hugging. You know, it's, it's a lot more prevalent nowadays than it was years ago. So, yeah, major problem within the, the secondary school, schools at the moment. OK, so you get the uh, child, you comb through the hair with a special comb and you're, uh, it's onto a white surface or a surface where you can see things happening. And if you come across the lice, there's usually horror when this happens and it is discovered. What's the best treatment? So the best treatment that we would actually say is the physical removal, okay? Now, of course, there is OTC products out there and they do help, but you have got to stick again religiously to the instructions because not only the, the, the treatment themselves won't kill the eggs and the lice. So it's very important that people realise that when you put in your treatment, you also need to comb and physically remove those eggs yourself by hand, by strand. So the most effective way is to section that hair into eight to ten sections and you start off per one section at the front of the head and you work off that one section until you've cleared everything from that one section. Look, it takes hours to do this. Um, And when you're not trained to do it, it can take up to three hours depending on the length, thickness of the hair. Okay, so there is time involved, there is a technique involved, there is a way of doing it, and it must be done on a regular basis. You are a specialist in this, you've become a real specialist. How, how do people find out more about you or if they want to talk to you? Well, I suppose they could, you know, they can they can phone me up. Um, we will be rolling out a few different um, options over the next coming months, um, which 
you know, we will be heavily advertising on, on um, social media. Okay. Um, but for the meantime, they can contact me on my number and I can give them all the advice that they need. Um, you know, if, if, if somebody's in a real kind of bad situation, I've had mm. people crying on the phone, you know, looking for advice. So yes. they can do it that way and we can leave the number with you. Okay, yourself. we have the number. So we're going to have this number if you're concerned or you want advice or to find out more about what's coming down the road with Sinead because I know she's passionate about this. Hey, you have three girls yourself. You're a busy woman with this combing, I take it. <laughs> Absolutely. They dread to see that comb coming out. Um, but look, it has to be done and it's for the sake of the family. You know, if you can keep on top of it, You'll never get to that infestation level where you're, you know, you're pulling your own hair out going, oh, my God. And it costs a lot of money for OTC products, you know, if you have a couple of kids in the family. So keep on top of the seven day check and you will stay on top of of the infestations. And just another point before we finish um, regarding sleeping arrangements, pillows, bed clothes, etc. What's your recommendation there if you find, because I take it, if they're sleeping, these things go into the into the pillows, etc. They do. Now, they can live up to 36 hours and they twitch up to 36 hours off the head, but they do need to feed every four hours. So they become so lame and limp that they won't be able to, they don't hop or they don't jump. They only crawl and they run and they run very, very fast. So clean the pillowcases your any teddies that may be, you know, in the bed, the duvet covers, um, your sheets and your hoods and hats. They're the main kind of key factors that we would ask, you know, that you'd actually put them on a forty degree wash and that's that's suffice. Okay. And uh finally, finally, don't wait for the notice to come home from the school or crash or whatever. Be proactive in this. That's your message today. A hundred percent. All throughout the year, every seven days, that check will effectively that'll put you way ahead of everybody else and you, your child would never get a, a level of infestation that you can't handle. Brilliant, Sinead. Thank you so much for joining me. Wish you well and I'm sure we'll talk again as things progress with you into the new year. Thanks a million for joining me on Late Lunch. Thanks so much, Jerry. Take care. Not bye. at all. Bye-bye. That's Sinead O'Reilly there. She's based in Russian, North County, Dublin. I know we have loads of listeners in NCD, as we call it. It's not a university. Well, it is a university. They're very clever people up there in Scaries and Rush and Lusk and that whole area. And we say hello to them this afternoon. She's a great girl, honestly. And she's passionate about this. And she ain't going to let this go till she's sorted. Imagine we've gone backwards. Louise, have you have you experienced this yourself? I'm scratching my head here I, already. Actually, do you know what I was going to say to you? <laughs> I feel a little scratchy myself here talking about what is it about it it just it's something it, it gets you doesn't it when you talk about this yeah, you just feel them crawling you all over do, you don't you you do you do you do and for and sure they are hard to get rid of yeah they are and, and we're not joking there is a, a major infestation as you heard across the board there at the moment so scary, take the advice actually, it? yeah it is do do the combing I know they don't like it I, I can still hear the screams of my sister when my mother used to with that combing out of the hair but look it'll be worth it in the long run next stop on late lunch Stahlmog. Louise, the headlights. You've got a message from a listener? Yeah, we're like the itchy and scratchy show here, we aren't are, we, Jerry? Yeah, we are a bit, we are a bit. <laughs> Somebody just said, my daughter has three children at school and she spent a small fortune in the chemist on lotions for lice. She bought an electronic head lice comb and it's easier to use on the hair. There you go. There you go. There's a tip for you if you want to cut to the chase and deal with it. A listener recommending it. Uh, wash your hair once a month, says somebody else, and you won't have head lice. They don't live in dirty hair. They love clean hair. 
That's completely the opposite to well, the myth going um, around, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's, that's a real opposite, isn't it? Saying that, but there you are. That's a listener's view. Thank you for getting in touch with us today. Anne says, thank you so much, Jerry Kelly. I'm getting... St- <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I'm not. Well, I read this. When I read it, yeah, I, I'm. I, I, she's on the bus, is she? Is Anne on the bus there scratching? Is that what she's telling me? Yeah. Sorry, I said Anne. there's loads out there now. And I'm sorry, Anne. I'm sorry. I apologise. Yeah, and and we feel it ourselves. It's just when you talk about this thing, it's a natural reaction. I think. Sorry, Anne. Settle down. You're all right. You're all right. Don't. They'll be looking at you in the bus, thinking, "What the hell is going on here?" Thanks, indeed. Nice to hear from you this afternoon. <laughs> now, roadworks at Stahlmog have completely blocked off part of the end. 52 and could possibly be the final nail in the coffin for the popular Stalmog stores which has seen their business plummet by 50%. Gavin Maniffy is on the line. He's the owner. Hello, Gavin. Hello. Gavin, how are you? Nice to talk to you today. Likewise, Um, Tell us just a little bit of the history. I know the stores there were closed for a long time. How long and then how long are you there yourself? I came there. I came there two and a half, two and a half years ago. Okay. Um, to um, uh, to to open the the, the business, and um, we saw an opening and um, took advantage as the local community was very sort of um, quiet. So so we uh, took investment, built it up, and opened the store. And um, much to the uh, a lot of people are very happy about it as we provide um, a meeting place for um, um, the local community. They gather there for discussions and they, you know, about local events and local things that happen, um, fundraising committees and all that sort of stuff. Okay, so you've you've become a part and at the heart of the community. You serve off coffees there, people meet there. Of course, you, ha- you, you have the fuel, you have the convenience store. So, and, and you're happy. Business has been good for the couple of years? Yeah, it's been, it's been it's been quite a hard long slog getting up there. Right. Um, as you as you know, it's very hard to try and earn a buck in this country um, with a, with with rates and taxes and all that sort of stuff. Okay. Because because they they also uh, uh, decided to put our um, rates up to three hundred and eighty percent. Really? So what what yeah. what were your rates? Uh, our rates at the moment are about a sixteen hundred a, a year. Yeah, and uh, the valuation office decided, you know, we were scrutinised um, very heavily. All our uh, uh, businesses like this across the country were heavily scrutinised and really gone into detail uh, about, you know, uh, how much um, turnover we do. Yes. So, 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 so what's your new what's your new rateable valuation? The new rateable valuation is about seven grand a year now. From sixteen hundred. From sixteen hundred to seven. Oh, grand. that is a massive rise. Now that is another issue. I'm sure that you're going to have to face up to and and, and deal with, it, and it's not an easy one. But come back to the store. These roadworks. How long have the roadworks been going on? It's been going on for the last four and a half weeks, and we've got another week and a half to go. Um, you see, it started off on the Cassidy's Cross to uh, towards um, RD. Yep. And um, they, they uh, redid the road, part of the road. Now, they didn't straighten it like they should. You could understand that they closed the road up completely to straighten some of the bad bends, but they haven't done that. They've just looked up what they did last year 
and then um, decided to redo it again, parts of it. And now they, they closed off completely from Cassidy's Cross all the way to RD, um, also closing off Carlin's Town Village, completely off business. So, uh, so the, the upshot of this on you is, so yeah. they're resurfacing, they're trying to improve the road, and we always encourage councils to do that anyway, because that's very important. No, I, understand, I understand that. Yes. We do this work, but why can't they do it at night with a stop go? Ha, 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 listen, don't get me started on this one, Gavin. <laughs> this is the classic Irish scenario. They do these works when it is most inconvenient for most of us who try and go about our daily business. You know that by now, don't you? But of course, but they're not allowing people, uh, you know, the nurses and care, because we have disabled people who come into our shop for lunches, people who are lonely, who, who, who need a bit of that interaction. Yes. There's nowhere else for them to go. Uh, you know, going to Kells where they have to pay for parking and all that. Really. Yes, I understand. And I've seen, I've, let me tell listeners, I've seen the reaction on social media. This is where we spotted this from all the people who love calling into you, yeah. who do the shopping there, who meet others, and they are really giving out yards about this. Now, here's the thing. The logical thing to do would be to do it at night time. We all know that. But this is Ireland and we don't do logic well, as you know. We are just not into this at all. But if it, it has to happen in the daytime, surely there's a system in place that controls the traffic flow and allows people in and out of your place. Yes, we understand that. And there are, look, there are some very bad bends on it. And if you're going to close it off, straighten the bends by all means. But they're not. They're just ripping up the road. Uh, pulling up cat size and on a certain part they're redoing what they did last year. Okay, that's your gripe. You think they're just yes. redoing what was done previously? Yes, and they also, you see, they did that for three weeks last year, but they had a stop-go system then, which was kind of okay. Was that okay? So when they had a stop-go, you your business was down, but it, 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 people were able to get in and out? Yeah, last year, yeah, but last year it was business was down, but not as much as this year. So are you telling me there's no stop-go system now? No, they just completely closed the road off. Yet, for some strange reason, today it's completely open, and they're painting lines on on the Carlinstown side uh, with a stop-go system. So prior to that, there was absolutely no access, not even for carers, for local people, and some of our customers saying that they weren't even allowed down their own road. But there was nothing happening. So, so literally what's happened is your business was completely choked. Exactly. Completed. It's a ghost town between nine to five when they close it. How much do you reckon, you, how much would business, obviously some people still get into you and there are other times, yes, off no. times. How much is your business down? Uh, 50%. My word. Who can take a hit like that in their business? Let me just tell you this. Um, Our Louise was on to Mead County Council this morning and put in a detailed question on your behalf, Okay. And Gavin, this is the reply. It's one line. And we have a reply back from Ailish Shaw, Media and Communications Officer with Mead County Council. And this is what it says. Listen carefully. It says, Louise, as part of the contract... The contractors will maintain local access. Any issues or concerns can be raised with Meath County Council. Now, that is an extensive reply. Yes. What do you say to the first part of that? As part of the contract, the contractors will maintain local access. You say that's not the case. No, it's not the case. Um, Oh, now it is in the last day or two. Yes. 
But prior to that, it was actually completely blocked off and no one was allowed. I've got a photograph on my um, camera of the roads blocked off. Completely. Okay. Even, you know, uh, they're not letting like uh, uh, delivery vans or anything. They have to go miles around. You know, to come back to us. Okay, okay, I hear, I hear what you're saying. So, so you don't accept that. And the other thing is, any issues or concerns can be raised with Mead County Council. Have you raised them in your own right? I have been there, but nobody answers phones. They don't reply to emails. Um, I've been to a few places, but I have to say, Sean Drew did a wonderful job of liaising and trying to get things done. Right. Uh, he put updates on the roads and which sections have been closed and all that sort of stuff. Who's Sean? But Tell me, remind me, who's Sean? A local councillor, is he there? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, and helping through. But for some reason, there seems to be a lot of lack of communication mm. uh, within the Meath County Council. Okay. To, you know, liaise with things. Yes, I, 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 we, hear what you're, we hear what you're saying. How long are these roadworks to go on for? Uh, well... To me, it's a total of six weeks. And how many weeks are we into this at this stage? Uh, four and a half. Okay, so you still have a little bit to go. Anyway, look, I have to leave it there today. I just wanted to put it out there so people could... No, 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 I'm delighted to do it because you're a man who's come to this country, obviously. Where are you from originally? I love the accent. I'm from Zimbabwe. Ah, well done to you, from Zimbabwe. Well, anyway, welcome to Ireland with all our nuances and uh, roadworks in the middle of the day when everybody's busy. You know what I'm talking about now. Look, I wish you well. I hope uh, people are listening today in Mead County Council and that there'll be direct action now and you need help urgently. A man reinvigorating his local community. Come on, he needs all the help he can get. Thank you for joining me on the line, Gavin. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That's Gavin and Iffy there, uh, you hear a story. That's the thing I do want to say to all councils. Why do you do these things at peak times? During the day, impacting on businesses. Why can't we night work? What's wrong? There are arc lights. We can do this in other ways. Why do we do jobs when schools come back? They're out all summer and everybody's enjoying the summer in Ireland. And then suddenly the schools arrive back and there's a big works going on. You know, this is just my, this is the impression I get. And I don't think I'm wrong in saying this. Anyway, Mead County Council, we love you dearly. Please help this man in Stahlmog. You hear his situation. Rates, my God, that's going to be another issue for him. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Stay with us. The environment, the environment, the environment. Packaging, reducing, recycling, it's everywhere. Right across this planet at the moment, and rightly so. But did you know that there's a business in Cullinan County Loud called Foxpack Flexibles? And since 2017, they've been investing a lot of time and money in the development of alternative sustainable materials. To tell me more, I'm joined on the line by Samantha Murphy, who's their marketing manager. Good afternoon, Samantha. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I didn't realise, Foxpack, you're 18 years in Cullen. Yeah, we are. Well, in 18 years in um, County Loud. So, right. um We were initially in Dunlear. We actually um, invested a lot of money and moved premises last year so um just to increase uh, capacity for all the demand that we have so the metropolis of Dunlear to the metropolis of Cullen 
That's it. I love it. I love it. Two big areas and great people as well all over. Now, yeah. you, you've been in this business a long time. And obviously from you got started in 2001 to today, the world is such a changed place. Tell us about this initiative that you're uh, pioneering at the moment called Generation Green. Absolutely. So Generation Green is what we like to refer to as our second generation of flexible packaging where initially gen, uh, flexible packaging would be made of plastics and usually mixed plastics, which are kind of very, very hard to recycle at the minute. What we've done is we've invested quite a lot of money and a lot of time into sourcing alternative materials. So we have three ranges. We have a compostable material, a widely recyclable material, and then a completely plastic-free paper material. So We've tried to give options that would suit all types of businesses looking for packaging because we do already supply to a vast range of different industries. And, you know, you're on the nail here because, you know, they're talking about, especially when you think of the fruit and veg aspect of a supermarket, I only give it as an example. You know what I'm talking about and all the packaging that goes with with that area. And they're trying to talk about having none there or bringing your own containers or packages or whatever. What you're saying to me, what you do could be applicable there, that everything is usable, recyclable, you name it. Yeah, so basically there's a, I think that, Eradicating packaging completely is not really sustainable in the long run, not in terms of the environment, but just in terms of the way that people use packaging every day. So even though plastic is kind of shunned at the minute, it's still quite necessary for our day-to-day lives. Like if you think about it, all of the things that you touch or you use in your day-to-day life that are plastic, if you remove them in the morning, it would be completely life-changing. So... There is a certain element in terms of reducing the amount of packaging that you're using, but also the second element is to use packaging made from sustainable materials. So whether that be recyclable, compostable paper, um, some, just so that at the end of life of the bag, when we put it into the bin, it can either be broken down and used to make something else or it can be decomposed and made into compost that we can then use in our gardening to grow more fruit and vegetables. Um, so there's a lot of different options out there. I couldn't agree with you more and I'm all into this and and you're you're so right I often uh, turn my mind to that when I'm in the super uh, supermarket or ever thinking you know we we can't get rid of this entirely so there has to be other ways which you're doing which is marvelous to give us the eco way to you know wrap or uh, bring plastics and made of different stuff home with us and use it again I take it you're in demand and what you're doing is in demand you're exporting widely Yeah, so we export um, over 65% of the product that we make, we export. Um, We have hundreds of customers all over the world, between Ireland, the UK, all across Europe, and even some in the USA. Um, So yeah, it is is increasingly becoming more more popular with our customers. If you had asked us this time last year um, how many people were looking for packaging made from sustainable we would have said maybe one inquiry every couple of months. Now, on a weekly basis, about 60 to 70% of our inquiries are from people looking for sustainable packaging. Isn't that a terrific story? And in Cullen, in County Louth as well. How many people work for you there? So we have uh, around 35 employees, um, mainly from the local area, um, 
and we're currently expanding. So we are actually looking for more employees at the minute as well. That's terrific. And I think Brexit or Trump or anything else in the world won't stop you in your tracks because uh, I hear you laughing there. You're delighted as the as the marketing manager. Hear me say this uh, because <laughs> this is the reality. This is this is just a, a massive growth business in the future. You guys see that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And our customers see it as well. It is the way that things are going to go, whether we like it or not. So to be honest, it was better to become early adopters of the technology and look into the technology. We've actually been researching sustainable packaging um, since 2015. So we worked on a project with a UK company um, to develop a compostable coffee bag. Um, At the time, we had achieved certification for industrial composting we didn't achieve certification for home composting, but because the consumer demand wasn't there, the project was shelved. Um, so we actually had a head start on this technology before this whole craze of environmentally friendly and plastic-free packaging came came about. And you're partnering, I see as well, at PS Coffee Roasters, well-known uh, people also in this particular area. You know, when you make a change, and you mentioned it there, you're in existence for 18 years, you've had to change with the times, but, you know, when you, you have to invest, which you've done, and your, your MD and the people there have made decisions, it's a big ask, isn't it, at times? You know, you, you're taking a shot in the dark. Absolutely, yeah, so... This, this is why we tried to develop our range in a way that it could nearly replace what we supply today. So today we have standard kind of material mixes for our packaging that people would use industry-wide. And we tried to create the new sustainable range so that there's not too much of a shock for either the brands that are using the packaging, the retailers that are selling it, or the consumers that are buying it. So it for example, our compostable um, bags look and feel like traditional plastic, but they're made from plant-based materials. So it's not something that's going to shock the consumer when they go to buy it. Even though it is a big change, we're trying to introduce it in a way that it's not going to be astoundingly different for everyone. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And you have to get that buy-in and people to adapt uh, along the chain down to the customer as well. You're doing really good, I have to say. Well done to you. Congratulations. You're a wonderful, wonderful story. And may I wish you continued success going forward. You know what I think? I think you're pushing an open door at this stage. Thank you for joining me, Samantha. Thanks very much. Not at all. Take care of yourself. That's Samantha Murphy there, marketing manager with Foxpack Flexibles in Cullen. And a big thank you to Andy Spearman of Drogheda Life, who uh, has that story there today. Very interesting one indeed, Andy. Well done. And we're delighted to highlight it on LMFM's Late Lunch this afternoon. Next break coming up. But before I go to the break, I just want to remind you that the uh, Frostival Festival, the Winter Festival, returns to the Dundalk Town Centre this weekend. Oh, there's a host of events happening on Friday. That's tomorrow and Saturday. Santa's arriving. The lights are being switched on. There's a market, live music, Santos in the Grotto, the Frostival Express and much more. And remember tomorrow evening, the spectacular and unmissable Carnival of Lights Parade is happening. It's simply wonderful. It was unbelievable last year and it's going to be better again this year. Get along to the Centre of Dundalk tomorrow evening and enjoy and enjoy the whole weekend there. Late lunch, LMFM Radio, short break. 
If you were with us at the start of the show, you will have heard the uh, touching interview with Helena and Jerry O'Connor about the desecration of their son's grave. The comments continue to flow into us. And again, I say to the O'Connors, the support for you is unbelievable. The thought for you. More uh, comments saying uh, that people are praying for you and that you're in their thoughts and will be over the coming days. Lily's been on to say these people need to be outed, Jerry, and shamed ultimately. Listen to this one. Jerry, my heart goes out to the O'Connor family, as in... 1989, we lost our 16-year-old son as well in an accident. And the day before the blessings of the graves in Louth Village, there was five flower wreaths taken from our son's grave on the Saturday. So it just goes to show you what sort of people there are out there. Again, we're thinking of the O'Connors at this time. Thank you for that lovely comment, whoever you are. Thank you indeed for sending that in to us this afternoon. Now, Baxter, Baxter Brown, people know him well at this stage. He's a little fella, he's six and a half years of age and he's been unwell recently and he has to go for specialised radical treatment, chemotherapy and a bone marrow transplant and it's not available in Ireland. He will need to go to the Great North Children's Hospital in Newcastle, a wonderful hospital and they're taking him over the coming months. It's going to cost a lot and Baxter the Brave, the GoFundMe page was set up and what an incredible response there's been. And I'm joined on late lunch this afternoon by a gentleman who's doing his bit to support Baxter. He's Niall Walsh and he's the owner of the May Store in Clarehead. Afternoon, Niall. Afternoon to you, Jerry. How are you keeping? I'm keeping well. Thank you for taking our call today. I just wanted to keep this rolling for Baxter and to highlight different things that are happening. You guys, what, what have you done to raise some money? Well, thanks very much for the, for the call, uh, Jerry. Yes, look, we, we decided, obviously, the fact that Kenneth and uh, Baxter are locals from the area here in Clarehead, we were trying to, you know, raise some awareness and obviously some vital funds for the family. And what we decided was um, to do was for every tea or coffee or beverage that was sold in our shop, we would donate one euro uh, for every one that was purchased. So we started, we commenced it on the 15th of the 10th, and we finished it just there a short few days ago on the 15th of the 11th. So we managed to, make, to, to raise uh, some well-needed funds to the tune of uh, €2,000, and we're going to present uh, both Kenneth and Baxter that today at 4pm in the shop. Ah, oh, Niall, that is a fantastic total from cups of coffee 2000 euro well done to you yes well look thanks very much but look it is it is wonderful to be able to support as i say the local family here uh, look they're their customers and we know them ourselves uh, for some period of time and look young baxter who's in and out here quite often uh, look he's a lovely a lovely young lo- lovely young boy and he's always in great form and as his dad kenneth is also so look <clears throat> from us all here in the area, great support as I can as I outlined to Jerry, and it's wonderful to be able to, as I said, support such a worthy cause. And anything that's remaining in the fund, if, if there is anything, uh, will go to the Children's Hospital in Crumlin, which is also a, a wonderful, a wonderful uh, cause. Also, you know? it, it certainly is. So at four o'clock, Kenneth and Baxter will be there today, will they? They, they will indeed. They will indeed. We're going to take a couple of photos of them and present them with the uh, check today. That is right, Jerry. Yes. So if you're listening and you're in the Clarehead area, you're heading that way. Niall and the crew would love to see you drop in and say hello to Baxter and his dad, Kenneth, as well. You'd be more than welcome. Absolutely. And it, it's a great great story and, and people really have like Niall and the people in Mason Clarehead 
have got right behind this. I, I passed you the other day, by the way. I was out with my granddaughter on the pier and it was great to see you uh, vibrant and open and looking well there again in Mace. Oh, well, thanks very much, Jerry. That's wonderful to hear you. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. And, and you do great ice cream cones. I want to tell people <laughs> that. I know it's not the time of the year maybe for the ice cream, but you're one spot I love to go to for my cones in the summer, I will say. Absolutely. It's never too cold for cones. <laughs> you're right, Niall. You're right. You put the goo on me now. Anyway, well done to you. Congratulations. No, and no, thank uh, thanks for joining much. me on the show today. Thank you, Niall. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Niall Walsh there from the Mace store in Clarehead. And Baxter the Brave, I just checked the total a moment ago there. The target was 50,000 for this little fella, Louise. That's what they hoped to raise. Are you ready? Which, is, which was huge. Which anyway. was huge. Are you ready? Are you ready? The latest figure just now from Baxter the Brave, 150,983 euro. And you can throw in the two grand now wow. from Niall and the crew in Mace and they're over the 150, 152, oh, nearly 153. Story. What a story. What people we have. You know, we talk at the beginning of the show about... People that maybe we shouldn't talk about at all or don't deserve talking about. Mm. It's such a terrible, terrible reflection on a human being to do what they did on the O'Connor's grave. And here we are, what, an hour and a bit later on late lunch, Mm. and we hear the great goodness of people. And the goodness, remember this, the goodness will always win out. That's the point. It will always win out. And my word, what a response that's been for that little boy there. People Delighted. are so good. Ah, listen, in this, how many times, Louise, Even over the years nothing. do we hear it, that people just get in and get behind something and support it? It's remarkable. It really is remarkable. And well done to one and all for that wonderful support for Baxter the Brave. And you can still support there on the GoFundMe page if you'd like to get behind that at this stage. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Will we head for the sport and news at three o'clock? Are we on? Are we on so. schedule, pilot? Are we? Just about. Am I on time there? <laughs> that woman wasn't guiding me. This plane would be in trouble every day of the week. I'm not joking you because Which I direction don't... are you going, Jerry? <laughs> I do the talk and she does the flying, that's for sure. And more besides. Anyway, let's head towards news and sport at three o'clock on late lunch in the company of the wonderful One Direction. And yes, folks, this is for all of you out there who are great people and support causes and send in their support for the O'Connors. What makes you beautiful? Your home of great music. LMFM. You're insecure. Don't know what for. You're turning heads when you walk through the door. Don't need makeup.
The High Style Awards are on in Cork this weekend. It's a huge event each year and County Meath is going to be represented in the final this time round. My next guest has designed her own dress and hat for the occasion and I'd say there's a little bit of pressure on at the moment. Is there? Isn't there? We're going to find out because she's a milliner from Ashburn in County Meath. I'm delighted to welcome Sarah O'Rourke to Late Lunch. You are so welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me today. Is there a bit of excitement and pressure with this weekend coming? I won't lie, I feel a little bit sick about the whole (laughs) thing and my dress actually isn't finished. I had my poor mum this morning sewing it together for me so I'm not quite there but you know I'm used to working under pressure and I will get there. Of course you will. Now style is your 40 of course but that is the thing with you. Is it true to say that but for your man Margaret who's here with us in studio today this mightn't have happened at all? Oh, it is true, definitely, because from a young age, um, mom used to make our clothes for us. And then she taught us how to sew from a young age. And that's kind of where it all began. I've always sewn, used to make clothes for my Barbies and, you know, the dolls and the teddies. And then that's really where it all began. And if it wasn't for mom, I never would have learned how to sew. It's it's an old thing now because I find an awful lot of people don't know how to sew, which is a pity because it's kind of a dying art. Mm, and and sewing on, you have the machines and everything and uh, they're all electrified. Now, I remember my granny <laughs> with the old singer and horror. With the, you know the legs. Yeah, we have like one this. in the porch. Actually, yeah, have it's you, a really old one. Yeah, it's just more decoration now oh than actually used. But yeah, we have one in the porch. That brings <laughs> back memories. The poor woman, how her leg didn't fall off, and all that tapping on the on the thing underneath to keep it wearing along. But here's the thing: you studied fashion in college, but. It wasn't your thing, was it? No, I did a year in Cloche Deed. It was a PLC course because I never did art in, in secondary school. So I had to do a PLC to get a portfolio together to go on to third level. So I did the fashion course thinking, this is me. This is what I want to do. I absolutely hated it. I was like, no, I don't like this industry. I don't want to do it. So I ended up doing sculpture in IADT in Dunleary. And I actually loved it there and I developed my own type of fabric there. So I created my own type of fabric medium and I didn't really do anything with it, I'll be honest, for a few years. And then my mum was going to a wedding and she said, oh, can you make me a hat? Use your fabric. And literally that's how it all began. Isn't that a great story? (laughs) So you have Mam Margaret to thank for where you are today and and, and where you've come with this uh, millinery. Materials. You mentioned you have your own fabric. Where do you source your materials in general? So it's all made out of different fibres. Um, I don't tell people exactly how it's made because if I did, everybody would be doing it okay. and that's my niche gone. But it's all different fibres and it's all gathered together to create a sheet of fabric. And once I create the sheet, I can't actually replicate it. So every design is unique to its owner. So... You know, it's That's very a very unique real element to it. USP that you have there, <laughs> young woman. In terms of designs and ideas for hats, where does that come from? How does that come about? I don't really know. A lot of people ask me this. It just kind of happens. And I think this is from the sculpture element. I'll get an idea and I'll start to design it. And sometimes it doesn't work. I'll admit that. And there's a few meltdowns involved. And it's like, oh, what am I going to do? And I just keep playing with the designs. And then sometimes you have a picture in your head, but it's not quite how it looks in the end. But it still looks good in the end, you know, that kind of way. And I just keep playing around with the designs until I'm happy. I'll, I've ripped designs apart from, and I've made them, ripped them apart. I'm not happy with it. I'm not going to put something out there that I'm not happy with. So I just keep experimenting. And then if I do um, a competition or a fashion week, then I'll come up with a theme. And then I try to create all the designs around this particular theme. Like for Belfast Fashion Week, the theme was um, the white collection. So it was just, everything was white. And then I just made a 15 piece collection and 15 hats. And I had to make 15 dresses as well, then all in white just to, correspond with each other. 
So you create and you present them. And you mentioned there uh, several of the uh, avenues that you have mm-hmm. to display your work. Race days, I take it. Weddings, yes. fashion weeks, yep. competitions. Yep. That about sums it all up. And exhibitions as well. Okay. Throughout Europe so and throw Ireland. that in. So there's a, a wide area yes. where you can show and uh, bring your product to. Weddings or race days, number one? Um, race days. Because it's very competitive. Everybody wants to know who's wearing who. Uh, where did you get your hat? Can I wear this to the next race? I'd say race days are definitely number one. Weddings are also, but not everybody wants to wear a hat to a wedding. Whereas if you go into the race day, everybody wants to wear a hat. And it is mighty competitive. I don't have to tell you that. Oh, these yes. are The ladies <laughs> days are just huge now. So tell me, being a man who knows nothing about this, which comes first? The chicken and egg, I'm going to ask you here. Is it the hat or the outfit or the outfit or the hat? Do you know, it kind of depends. I have both. Sometimes people get the outfit and because I make the fabric, then I can match the fabric to the outfit. Or sometimes people will see, I have some ready-made designs as well. They'll see the ready-made, buy the ready-made, and then they'll work their outfit around that. So it really depends on the individual. I personally go with hat first and then I'll work the outfit around the hat. But Ah. I think that's just because I'm the milliner and I I can do that. You have a bias you see there and <laughs> exactly. I understand that as well but you know you mentioned there that uh, somebody comes to you and of course you'll have off the shelf mm-hmm. but you design of course do you take you know commissions from people or people who throw ideas at you and then you try to match that for oh them? yeah people come to me and get pieces specially made for weddings races um, or even the likes of christenings as well they can wear a little headpiece or just an event that they might have it doesn't have to be just a traditional wedding and you know Know, the race day it doesn't have to be that people seem to feel that hats are just for these occasions but they're really not I'd wear them just you know happy Saturday here's a hat on my head they're not <laughs> the massive big ones but you know a little piece and everybody kind of says oh hats aren't for me but they are there's a hat for everybody you just have to find what suits your face what suits your style there is a hat for everybody I thoroughly believe that is less more more or less you know what I'm talking about you're talking about the yeah, big hats there yeah. and then you see these lovely petite little pieces that look so well as well what dictates that? Is it your um, face shape? Is it the head? Is it again back to the outfit or what? Well me personally I think the bigger the better. <laughs> I yeah. love to be very flamboyant <laughs> and big huge feathers sticking out. Classy of course but lots of detail work as well. I have some that look like crowns on the top of your head. I have other ones that have six foot feathers in them. It's just trying to be different and not look like everybody else's designs to be honest um, I don't want to be the traditional millinery that's why I have my own fabric that's why I don't use hat forms and hat blocks to shape the designs I do it a different way I'm not going to tell people how I do it because of course that's my niche but I just like to be different Now when somebody buys a hat off you it is unique it is bespoke mm-hmm. it's for them is it a once-off wear? Really, when you get a hat for a wedding is that it? Does that, is it put away then for good? I don't like to think so because I know for myself for different hats for different occasions myself, my mum, my sister we've reworn the hats or we'll swap the hats and I was actually talking to um, a mum of a student I teach and she was telling me that her friends and family she's a collection of hats they come to her for the hats so I think there's kind of a bit of swapping as well and lending and borrowing and then you can wear it to a different occasion maybe not in the same week but you know you could wear it in say January and then wear it again in December if you wanted you Yes, know. yeah oh but look at that swap and, and move around is a fantastic exactly. idea and it ties in with the new world today of sustainable fashion yes Yes, you're on the ball with that (laughs) for sure um in terms of materials you mentioned you make up Mm -hmm. your own and that's yours as well and uh, unique to you Uh, but you mentioned feathers 
and, and the range of materials really endless that you can use. They are hats. endless, but I find a lot in Ireland it's a bit more restrictive. So I do have to get things from abroad, or if I'm traveling abroad at work, um, I will get things there. Or if my mum and dad are on holiday and they come across the fabric shop, my dad <laughs> hates it, but I'm like, get me about twenty meters of this, please, because if you see it for you know a lot cheaper abroad, of course you're gonna get it. Then you know if it's two euro abroad and six euro here you're going to get it abroad and and just half the time it's even in charity shops you can find necklaces brand new stuff and you take it apart and take the beads off take the sequins off that comes back to the sustainable fashion it's just just whatever you see things that you know you will work in your designs you get them because there's no point in waiting you'll never mm. see them again kind of thing now your business is Sarandon Designs Sarandon Designs yes okay and how can people find you what's the easiest way Have you you have a website I have a website so sarandondesigns.com I also have Instagram Facebook Twitter and it's all Sarandon Designs S-A-R-A-D-E-N and then Designs so they'll be able to find me on any of those and people come and meet you have your premises where you display as well uh, well no I work from home for the designs okay. but then I go to different I do between markets fairs I see there's loads of yeah. different avenues where then it's expensive to have your own place oh, very, I won't even very, go there very. with you but between the online and going to those places there's exactly. ample opportunity and people can meet you as well exactly. you teach with Project Fashion Project what is fashion, this yes so it's actually a great thing um, I applied to teach with them just for their Navin classes um, earlier in the year and it's teaching children how to sew and design it's all about fashion design and it's for both boys and girls which I think is fantastic because there is a little bit of a taboo about oh boys sewing and fashion design but look at the top designers. They're male. They're not female. True. So, I mean, it's a great avenue. It teaches them the basic. It teaches them a lifelong skill because then they can use that if they want to go on to college. They already have the sewing skill. They don't have to learn that from scratch. They have a bit of a design background. They've worked with all, all of our tutors. We've got them nationwide. They're also talented. They all have their own backgrounds. They've all worked in design. One of them used to work on the Late Late Toy Show doing the costumes, you know. So everyone's really, really experienced. And they're great as well because for the likes of me in particular, they've promoted me for the awards where another tutor she did London Fashion Week they promoted her so they're a great avenue not just to promote us but to teach kids how to sew and show them that the tutors have you know a life outside outside being tutors and they you know if they can do it you can do it you can achieve this when you grow up so boys and girls 7 to 14 and I'm sure when you introduce it to them and they get going it's something that really grabs them oh it really does I mean a lot of them have a flair for it and they just take to it like that a little bit some of them need a little bit more encouragement but just the avenue they can go down and then they do a fashion show at the end of the year um, all the children from all over Ireland come to a fashion show and then they have awards and it's the boys and the girls get to walk down the runway they get to strut their stuff in the clothes that they've made so all the parents can see them it's just fantastic to see the whole thing come together and all the hard work and it's just great to see it all come together you're very happy I, I am, gather I in what you're doing now and where you are at this point I in time I love what I do now don't yeah. get me wrong it's very hard there's an awful lot of late nights and early mornings and lack of sleep it is very hard and even financially it can be very hard but I love it and I know where I have a goal I know where I want to go I know what I want to do and it's doing because no one else is going to hand it to me I have to do all this hard graft to get where I want to go basically you're great and I, I want to mention also while you're with me today Ashburn yes. it's a big big time coming up for Ashburn it because is. Ashburn 200 is on the way 200 years of Ashburn that's next year next year Ashburn 2020 yeah fantastic and you're part of this I am well. I'm helping them to organise something to do with kind of the crafts and the art world and make it all combined together there's no definite plan as yet because you can understand it takes an awful lot of volunteers and people to get involved 
but it's just it takes time to organise the whole thing but uh, it, I think it'll be really interesting next year to see all that now it's not just the art element there's loads and loads of, loads course, of different elements I'm just this particular element oh yeah but, but you're you know art and expression of art and being a milliner and what you do is a huge part exactly. of any community as well and, and I'm sure they welcome that you are part of it so Cork it is this weekend the High Style yes. Awards everyone on high dough what's your gut feeling how are you feeling about it Oh, I'm 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 optimistic. I don't want to say yes or no, but I, it would be lovely to win. It's just the recognition more than anything. It would just be fantastic. Plus, it's a nice night away. My mum and my sister are going, and we get to get dolls up and wear the hats, of course. <laughs> Self promotion, big thing, of course. I know, and I, I, you can just see it. The, the hat, it's so important in the overall context of the outfit, and it can make all the difference. Exactly. And it gives a woman such confidence. Exactly, exactly. Mm, I find the better, the bigger the hat, the more confidence I have. I I don't know why, but just the bigger the hat, the more confidence. <laughs> well, check this young woman out, Saradin, S-A-R-A-D-E-N Designs. Just Google that. You'll get all the information there. We wish you well in Cork. Thank you Congratulations very much. on where you are with this Thank wonderful you. career and continued success to you going forward. Thank you so much, Sarah O'Rourke, Thanks for, for joining me. me at Late Lunch today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. That's our lot on the show for this Thursday afternoon. Hats off to Sarah. We're away for a cup of tea. Eddie's up next. See you for Late Lunch tomorrow. Half the Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The 2020 Renault Runway event is now on at Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Save thousands across the range for the new year. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.